You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan for complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refund. Deliberations of Doom now entering. I'm doing the thing we haven't done since the old, uh, uh, since uh, uh, the original gentleman volumes. This is the beginning of volume two. D O D V two. Yeah, is V2, that too much? Episode one. <laughs> D O D V two. Ep one. As we start. colon resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Brian Salisbury. You just hear, uh, heard from Junk Food Cinema, who is making a very special guest appearance with us on these episodes. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. What kind of jerk wears his own t-shirt to a different <laughs> podcast? The kind of jerk who has a store at junkfoodcinema.com slash store. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I had to ask Brian because he probably, you probably didn't even need to rewatch any of these. No. You know them by heart. Yeah, it's, it's sad. Like, you, the way you said that sounded like a compliment and I wanted to take it that way and then I was like, you're describing someone with a very sad life, but yes, I do in fact probably have 90% of this franchise memorized at this point. It, it used to scare me when we like we, we were, we were uh, doing one of us together. You would reference offhand tiny moments from Halloween sequels that I was like, who knows that? <laughs> no one that should know that, no. <laughs> uh, but yes, as I say it's volume two, two because we have had another cast change. The Summers Brothers have decided to move on. Uh, not surprising. They're, they're some of the busiest people they I know. They are so busy. Yeah. And they're going they're on like, with their film career. Yes. And this is a, can be a time-consuming show. They're, they're professional yo-yo show. Oh, wait. No, that's the Smothers Brothers. Sorry. I, <laughs> I get confused and forget that I'm not 85 years old and making references like that. But uh, so joining us with a new regular cast is Alan Galinsky. Hello. Hey, Alan. You might have heard him already on Highly Suspect Reviews. Uh, where he's recorded a few of those with us, but he'll be joining us as a new full-time member of the crew, at, because I know you all the way back through the Fantastic Fest. It's true. Oh, the, it's like all the way going back three weeks. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like the third, the third Fantastic Fest. Oh, third shit. Year, so second year we met yeah. Yeah. Oh, It's all a decade wow, or so. that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Fantastic oh, wow. Fest season yeah, of the absolutely. Witch. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that blows my mind that's a decade. I just said it out loud. That's insane. <laughs> You're uh, old. Yeah. We're yeah. old. And then Nick is joining us here as Nick well. Williams. Hello. Hello. Uh, what, tell us a little bit about your background in film. Well, I've got a double major in English and film, and uh, made a couple short films myself. Love watching them, own millions of them, and yeah, just kind of ready to try to nerd out a little bit. So you're kind of like, he's our new Summers Brothers, so that means he's going to have all wrong opinions. And <laughs> Actually, you if know. it helps, I understand that Summer Brothers are good filmmakers. I'm a really bad one, so <laughs> I might have the right opinions. There you go. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I agree. Nick and I agree a lot. Why do you think I wanted him on the show? I see. Well, Alan and I agree a lot. That's fine. I see how it's going, Brian. Yeah. And I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> well, you on here because you make all of us look bad when it comes to knowing stuff about Halloween. Films. Again, I think I just make myself look bad knowing this much about the Halloween films. Well, yeah, and the reason we decided to do this, well, A, it's October. <laughs> and B, obviously, the brand new Halloween H4O is out in theaters right now. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I don't care. It's H4O. <laughs> I, no, I agree. It's also why I didn't pass chemistry, is because I would do things like that. So. <laughs> um, and we thought, why don't we watch all the Halloweens? And then we all voted and said, but not the Rob Zombie ones. <laughs> we, yeah, I think we, we made a judgment call, and it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So. I mean, we could have watched the first Rob Zombie They're one. They're so gross. They're f- to, to be fair. That's the horror movie. 
movie. No, no, no. They're gross, like in a seedy trailer trap. I mean, yeah. There's there's well, gross in that, like, oh, it's bloody and, and gory. And then there's gross, like, do you want to lick a rest stop bathroom, yeah. like floor? Yeah, Is that like, do yeah. you want to smell Rob Zombie after he goes on stage in Lycra? Which smells a lot like a, a rest stop floor, or as it turns out. Or his dreadlocks. Yeah. I, I did try to watch. the. I did try to give it another shot. I was like, you know, I'm going to be doing this show. I'm going to try and give the Rob Zombie one. I made it five minutes in before I went, fuck this garbage. I'm sorry. Like, I, I thought I was watching a Halloween movie, not, like, uh, Adventures in Broken Families at the Trailer Park. Like, <laughs> no. No, thank you. Um, I did like the fact that Rob Zombie brought brought back what's her face from uh was it three four and five daniel harris yeah, from four five. five yeah yeah uh so i did like that he had like a little shout out to my least favorite halloween films of all time but <laughs> i mean the ones that don't make any fucking sense i mean they do until they don't particularly six i think <laughs> yeah okay i'm getting ahead of myself yeah you are but like i was actually kind of upset daniel harris was not cast as the daughter uh, in, in the new one, because she would be of the right age yeah. to play it, and she tried. God help her. She tried to get that role. She's of proper age. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. We need somebody who seems more suited for a horror movie like Judy Greer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? It just screams horror film, right? Well, I mean, you get David Gordon Green directing is probably like, I gotta put something comedic in this, or people aren't gonna be like, why the fuck is David Gordon Green directing a Halloween film? Fair enough. But the original Halloween film was, of course, brought to us in the year 1978 by John Carpenter, who co who? Uh, Never heard of him. With his producer and girlfriend, Deborah Hill, who a lot of people uh, say, uh, I was listening to this podcast called Halloween Unmasked. It's quite excellent. It goes deep cut into it. Oh, I've listened to film. a couple. It's really And good. they really say, a lot of people involved say, the original Halloween knows just as much to Deborah Hill as it does to John Carpenter. And people do not give her enough credit. Carpenter always has. Well, so. the people that say that, though, are completely correct. <laughs> so that's so, really that's all I had to say about that. Yeah, Carpenter always says, I never would have been able to write those female characters as convincingly as I did without her. Almost every scene where it's the girls talking to each other, Deborah wrote that. Yeah, I mean, they were like the tag team. Yeah. You know, it's really, I mean, I know that Carpenter gets all of the, the, I guess, the limelight for Halloween, but I feel like she was kind of like the, you know, the girl behind the mask. Sure. So John Carpenter, for instance, I mean, he's got the big widescreen stuff, the pacing, the score, that's all really super important stuff. But Deborah Hill invented the virginal final girl, Mm -hmm. which has been used Ever since then. Like, and, that's, and I would even argue misused. Misused, yeah. Right? I mean, like, one of the things about this movie that was different than the slashers that followed, including the Friday, specifically the Friday the 13th, is that these teenagers were good kids. They were not obnoxious assholes, right? They were not drawn to be that way. They didn't really put an exclamation point on the, oh, because they're sexually active is why they're getting killed, the way that became such a staple later on. In fact, Carpenter has been very open about how much that bugs him, that that became a thing, that people were like, took the fi- that, that final girl, virginal final girl thing, got the wrong thing out of it entirely. Totally. And I think that's exactly what we love about Michael Myers at his best, is that he isn't motivated by bad behaviors of his victims. He is just a force of evil. Yeah. He says, as, as Dr. Loomis says, you know, he's, he's pure evil. I put six shots in him. Got (laughs) dull, lifeless black eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Devil's eyes. Oh, your Donald Pleasance is fantastic. Well, this is what I do this to get my son to go to sleep too. I'm like, I (laughs) watched you for many months. You have black, lifeless eyes. Uh, no, I, what I, what I find most fascinating about Halloween, which is one of my favorite movies, period. I mean, I don't even have to qualify it by the genre. It's uh, is that it 
it's a great example of a film coming along exactly when it needed to and fulfilling the exact need that audiences had. And it's the reason that Halloween became, for decades after, the most successful independent film of all time, is that horror films in the time, especially in America, were struggling to find an identity. The closest thing we had to a popular theme, really, in, in horror cinema in the late 70s was uh, the satanic panic. Right. I mean, you had, like, The Exorcist, Rose and you Mary's had Baby. Rosemary's Baby, and you had The Omen, movies that really touched upon this this fear of the occult. But right at 1978 was the year, I believe, that both Exorcist to the Heretic and Damien, The Omen 2 came out, and both were flops. So all of a sudden, the water was completely warm for something else. Like, audiences were like, we are done with Satanic Panic. We want something new. And this kid out of film school decides that he really he really wants to, I would say, rip off the Italians. But he was ripping off a Canadian who ripped off the Italians. Right. So he's it's like a copy of a copy. He's ripping off, what's his name? Bob. Bob uh, Clark. Bob Clark, Bob who did yeah. the, the really tremendously good Black Christmas. Right. And there's there's a great story that uh, Carpenter, or that Bob Clark told before he died, where he was approached by Carpenter after Black Christmas came out and said, hey, would you ever want to do a sequel? And Bob's like, yeah, I'm kicking around an idea, like... What if the killer in this one was caught and they sent him to a sanitarium and then he like broke out and he came back, but it wouldn't be at Christmas. I don't know. It'd be like Halloween or something. Right. And then Carpenter went and made Halloween. So there's, it's, it's, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but it is a pretty hilarious story. But what's crazy is that for as much as this borrows from Giallo, you know, as, as you said, like there's no revenge plot. There's no, like until you get to two, there's no connection between Michael Myers and the women that he's murdering. The very engine of a Jalo film has been ripped out of this Jalo film, and it still works. That shouldn't happen. It took the mystery part out of it completely yeah. and made it where you're looking for that, mm-hmm. but it's just not there because, as Donald Pleasance keeps reminding you, no, he's just fucking evil. Well, and I mean, most Jalo films wait till the very end to pull the mask off. It's like fucking Scooby Doo. This right? does it right off. This the does it after the giant tracking shot that he stole from Orson Welles, and it's like, oh, it's a six-year-old kid. Movie over? What's going on? And I actually want to talk about that tracking shot because that first six minutes and 36 seconds of Halloween... look at you. (laughs) I timed it. Um, What I was just... I forgot how great Carpenter is as a director. I mean, I love The Fog and I love Christine, but holy shit, that it's all one shot through the mask. You have no idea what's going on. And I put myself back in 1978 where this shit like did not happen at all in movies in 1978. And you're just like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden he's just like straight up kills his sister and then takes the mask off and then the movie starts. And because they don't give you any frame of reference or any like spatial reasoning, you have no reason to suspect that the person behind the mask is a child. Right. Like there's, I mean, you see like uh, the arm of a clown costume, but it's also established that it's Halloween. Sure. So it could literally be anybody. So I have to imagine that was Deborah Hill. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I have to imagine that audiences at the time must have been like seeing Terminator 2 in the theater for the first time if you'd never seen any of the advertising and thinking that Arnold Schwarzenegger was still the the, the bad guy. Like, si- sitting in that theater and they pull the mask up, it's like, holy shit, that's a six-year-old kid. Must have fucked with people. It had to have fucked with people. I hope so. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more, but I will say I feel like we're avoid not to even talking about the number one thing that made this movie the classic it is, which is the theme song that Carpenter himself wrote in three days, wrote and recorded in three so days. So much of the uh, first, like, two-thirds of this movie is in goddamn daylight. 
And there's and I, and I remember even that tracking shot thinking there is nothing scary about this house. It is a typical like middle class suburban house. And there are, there are plenty of lights on. There's nothing inherently creepy about it. But that fucking music, you could be at a public library like, I, you know, I need to I need to brush up on my Dostoevsky. So you go and you, you try to pull crime and punishment off the shelf. And it's just like you start hearing that music. It's like, I'm going to die today in this library. <laughs> <laughs> that music is like everything that makes this movie work. The first year I was dating uh, Courtney, I, I used to always change my ringtone every Halloween to something Halloween oriented. And I saw I had the Halloween theme. And the first time it came on, she said, you're going to change that right now or we're done. Because <laughs> I cannot. I miss live Courtney. How is she? my love. <laughs> She's like, I cannot live a life with constantly hearing that theme popping up out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, okay, you, your point made. Because it really is, I still think, the creepiest horror movie theme song of all time. It's so funny because as we were progressing through the movies, or as I was progressing through the movies, and I'll probably talk about this, but I was like, oh man, this one's definitely Carpenter's best score. And then the next movie, I was like, no, this is definitely his best score because he. He never disappoints as far as the Halloween movies. He just gets better and better and better up until the new one, which I'm not going to talk about. Wait, you think the Halloween movies get better and better as they no, go No, the along? score gets better. Oh, the scores? Yeah, I think John Carpenter got better as a music maker. Oh, okay. Not as a director. Well, I mean, he this was the only one he directed. He, he like, and this is, this is a sidebar, I won't waste too much time on it, but like, the fucking run that guy had oh, from Halloween up until In the Mouth of well, Madness. No, even before this, because Assault on Precinct oh, 13. Oh, you're right, yeah. No, which is incredible. awesome yeah. movie. Yeah, like, that run is, like, that should be studied in film school. That's right. Just that batting average. That's, just, that's up there with Scorsese. In is terms it, of just uh, one really knock-it-out-of-the-park movie after another. They, yeah. Admittedly, were not all well-received when they originally came out. Yeah. Or even performed well, but they're all considered, this whole run are considered classics now. Yeah. You know, I go all the way up to In the Mouth of Madness. That, that's, that's pretty much it, a straight That's run. the last great one, and yeah. it is great. And isn't Assault on Precinct 13 the reason why he was able to make Halloween? Like, he was approached by... By the executive producer and was like, hey, you want to make this film? And he was like, sure. I believe that's correct because the, the producer, uh, Mustafa Akkad, who ends up being the like... The producer of all of the movies. The producer of all of them until his tragic death. Like, he... He really was a driving his, force. He loved Michael Myers. But, it, but, but the thing I think most people forget is that like Compass International like pictures, like a drive-in dirt studio was behind the release of the first movie. Like, when I say independent, like, it could, it could not have been more independent if Roger Corman was involved. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. And it, it, to make all of that money and be that much of a, of a cultural touchstone. He, he was like the Dino De Laurentiis of, of Halloween movies. No, I'm blanking on the guy. Oh, uh, Irwin, is it Irwin yep, Yablin? Yep, He's really the guy, Carpenter always says, that's the guy that was the hands-on producer. He was the guy who was involved in every step. Uh, honestly, Mustafa Akkad, we couldn't have done it without him. But he really had nothing to do with this film. Oh, that's interesting. He was a Czech writer, and that was about it. And, I mean, when you look at his film career, that's not surprising. He himself was an accomplished director who had made several very big art house films. That's that You are describing also the track of uh, Golan and Globus. That was the exact same thing. In their country, they had made art house films, and they wanted to make big Hollywood movies. Right. So they came here and became Czech writers for big stupid Hollywood movies that I love to death. no one had any idea that this was going to be, well, up until I believe the Blair Witch Project, this was the most successful independent film ever made. It took so long for it it to get knocked off that number one spot, and that is impressive in and of itself. Yeah, what was it? It was made for, uh, let's $300,000 around, and it ended up making in the first run, of which it went back to the theater several times, $70 million.
million dollars. That was in '78, un- unheard of yeah. at that time. Now, how does that compare to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Because that came out just before it, That's, right? Yeah. And that was it came out just before really it. It didn't question. make quite as much, but yeah, yeah it, it's. I mean, that just, was. But, like, I'm, but I'm pretty sure successful. that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was made with what twenty four thousand yeah. with Toby Hooper, and it was yeah. also not dis- distributed anywhere near as wide. It, uh, it, it had more of that, yeah. like, like people were afraid. Like X, it wasn't rated X, but it had that. So the title alone was enough to keep, I think, a lot of people away. Uh, whereas the original, I think it would have been the same story if they'd kept the original title, the babysitter killer, uh, for this movie, I feel like people would have immediately, but Halloween is just such an iconic, like, you know, there, there is a certain understanding universally. Like when you hear like Halloween, like, okay, I'm familiar with the season obviously. And there's, there's a certain buy-in that I think you have, but it's just classy enough, I think, to get. The, the timid horror fans in there as well. And Jamie Lee Curtis was a daring choice for the lead role here, mm. for sure. Uh, she could not get work. She's been very open of saying, before this, I had a very brief stint where I got one line a week, maybe on a soap opera. Uh, she had been on a show for like two episodes with her dad, Tony Curtis, and got fired from that show. How do you get fired from a show that your own dad is the star <laughs> of, right? But she had had, she was literally considering giving up show business. And part of it was there was a lot of people like, oh, you're not pretty enough. Oh, you're too tall. Oh, you're whatever. Because she is definitely not what you think of as a leading actress, really. After this, she was, I mean, she credits like the beginning of her career, definitely, is Halloween. This was a huge deal. But even then, she had trouble moving out because she got, this movie was so popular, she got typecast where no one wanted to put her in their movie because like, oh, you should be in, aren't you the horror movie girl? So she went on and did a lot of clones after this. Terror Train, April Fool's Day, Prom Prom Night. Night. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, Not April Fool's Day, Prom Night. Prom Night. Which has a joke. Was it Freaky Friday? Which is not a horror film, despite its title. <laughs> uh, actually, the entirety of why she got cast in The Fog, she was not originally supposed to play it, but Carpenter and Hill felt so bad fog. for her that she was having trouble getting any parts that weren't just knockoffs of Halloween. They wrote a part and changed it to make it even more different. So she was playing a very different type of role than she did in this movie and like was like, yes, this is yours. After that, actually, her career really did take off quite a bit. But interestingly... No one ever asked her, which is maybe the only girl in the history of horror movies from the 70s on, no producer ever asked her to take her shirt off. She was always the one like, no, 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 you don't have to do nudity here. It wasn't until Trading Places. John Landis is like, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then she said after, but then she said after that. Everyone, that was part of the, every movie, they were like, you need to take a shirt off. And John off Landis is like, I'll make sure the set's closed, because I'm all about safe sets. I'm John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, safe sets is very important. Yes. Yeah, you should have a prophylactic for that. <laughs> Look it up, kids! Anyway, John Landis, not a great, not great at safe sets. No, 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 he really isn't. Um, but we, we already covered Twilight Zone. Yeah, so. I was like, we just talked about that in our anthology episode. But yeah, I mean, even there's so many things about this that were just happy accidents, like the mask alone, mm-hmm. which was like they tried so many different things and nothing was working. And they finally like went to the the guy went to the Halloween store and just basically shaved the sideburns off of a uh, William Shatner mask, which, by the way, was an, although later it was sold to be a Star Trek thing. When it was originally sold, it was a tie in to a horror movie he had done. I think it was Incubus. I can't remember. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. But it was done as a tie-in to this lame horror movie he was in. And uh, Wait, well, hold, hold, hold on. Wait. 
Who's bu- okay? Who was buying that? I get I that, like know. kids, <laughs> like with horror movies, you buy the mask of the monster. Who's buying the mask of the star of popular, <laughs> right. like the the human star of popular? Horror? Like nobody goes around like I want the Doctor Frankenstein mask from the Frankenstein movie in the thirties. <laughs> nobody does that. But they painted over the eyebrows and painted over the whole thing and shaved off the sideburns and, and reportedly they said the moment the actor playing Myers put it on, everyone froze. Yeah, was just like. Wow, that's fucking creepy. They were like, yeah, that's it. That's and the, and mask. the mask never looks as good again. No. Like, after seeing all the movies, like it looks so good in that first movie. Yeah. And no other movie can get it right. They couldn't find it after well, the first one. They keep one. changing the hair color, too, which pissed me off. Yeah. Like, color I, and length. I, I'm, I'm like, why is it red all of a sudden? I was giving notes hair? on just the mask. Dude, movie. <laughs> by five, it doesn't even fit the guy. It's yeah. like, okay, come on. <laughs> no, agreed. Although I will say in the new one is the first time they've gotten the mask. Right, where it, it doesn't good. look like it does in the first one because it's supposed to be aged and weathered. But for the first time ever, it doesn't look like some cheap dime store Halloween mask. It's fucking creepy. I love the the idea, and I haven't seen the new one, but I love the idea that they just let him keep it. Like yeah. after the first night, they're like, just put it in your footlocker here at the asylum. I'm sure that'll never come back to haunt us. The, the, the entire first act is pretty much just about them coming up with a way that he got the mask back. You're just like, okay. Yeah, he j- it was floating really along dumb. in the river, and Jim Carrey jumped in after it. <laughs> not that nasty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Rocky Dennis jumps no, in after it. not that Not that one? Okay. Yeah. The only thing that I disliked highly about, I think the first, and maybe even the second one, too, is, uh, well, definitely the first one, is there's just, like, that strobe light effect that they're constantly using, and I'm just... I don't know if that was just a 70s thing and they're being like super cool and super edgy, but the strobe light just annoyed the shit out of me. You guys didn't even notice, did what's, you? Yeah, I'm like, what's You guys light? are literally like confused I'm, I'm right confused, now. Yeah. I, there's a strobe light throughout the whole third act of the first movie. You, nope. Okay. Never mind. No, I did mean, you, were you watching this at like a rave? <laughs> yeah, I think you should I be. Do. You should yes. get checked for epilepsy. I uh, go to raves and I watch so, Halloween movies. Oh wait, no, that wasn't Halloween. It was a Pokemon episode. Uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have eaten all that ecstasy. Well, or maybe I should have. <laughs> I, uh, right, I I really love the fact that like what I think that Carpenter's talked about this how he was so affected by what was going on in his generation uh, with Vietnam, and I started noticing this too, like. Every other horror movie at this time had some kind of safety net where it was like it either was in the woods, it was in an old dark house, it was out in the ocean, like it was the devil, like don't fuck with that, you're fine. This was one of the first movies to kind of take the scary thing and put it in the backyards of middle class suburbia, which was essentially him saying like that's what Vietnam was is suddenly it was – uh, it was something personal. horrifying that it was personal and it was affecting everybody he knew. And so I, I think there is uh, – I think that's probably another reason it struck such a chord with audiences at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going back to like what you were saying earlier. The first uh, sequence is almost all in the daylight. Yeah. There's nothing about that that should be scary. And yeah. the score really helps sell that there's something not right about what's going on. And it's green. And because they filmed it in California in the spring or in the summer instead of Illinois in the fall, like, not only is it daylight, it's green. Like, it doesn't even have the dread of, like, everything looking dead like it does in the Midwest in the fall. You can, in fact, see a couple palm trees, for the record. Everything, <laughs> especially if you watch the Blu-ray, everything's green. Oh, and by the way, 
pumpkins were not in season, so they had to get, I forget where it was, some kind of weird specific type of squash that yeah. they had to get that was in season but was still hard to get and spray paint them orange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is why if you look across, when they're looking across at the, the house where he's actually killing people, the pumpkin on the on the, uh, on the the front stoop changes shape and size throughout the movie because they probably kept fucking breaking the one squash they had. Like, changing, God damn it, I need another squash. Changing shape? <gasps> which, like, by the way... Shape? We haven't mentioned Nick Castle is the shape in this one. Who, by the way, is 5'6". What? 5'6". 5'6". Yeah, he is not a big guy, but Carpenter shoots it in a way that you would never guess. Yeah, it turns out the shape in the first movie is Muggsy Bogues. Nobody (laughs) nobody knew. It was insane. (laughs) Nobody understands that reference, Brian. Welcome to my world. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, do we have to say anything more about the first Halloween? Other than it's an all-time classic. I mean, I'm pretty sure that everyone has seen... Anyone that's watching, watching this podcast right now. Yeah, I just said that right now. Sure. Uh, anyone that's listening to us right now probably has seen the Halloween. Yeah, I would, hope, I would hope so, but you'd be surprised. We get a lot of our fans who are like, I don't know a lot about horror movies. I like listening to you guys talk about it, and then it's always kind of a challenge for me when y'all post the list ahead of time of what movies you're going to be talking yeah. about, because then I've got like two weeks to watch them all first, and then I can listen to y'all talk about them. And I've had a lot of our fans are that way, who are like, I'm really new to this, but That's I'm, true. I'm getting a... And we don't always review great stuff. Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, one, one thing I do want to mention about the bad. first Halloween, because all the sequels bend over backwards to try to give a motivation and a connection and a reason. Like we touched on a little bit, but he really is after these. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode goes to the front door to drop off a key. He sees her. That's it. He decides I'm going to follow her I, now. I showed this her. movie to my wife for the first time last night, and apart from having to spend 20 minutes explaining to her that Michael Myers is not Jason Voorhees, um, <laughs> she was like. Is he really just mad because she dropped off that key? That's why he wants to kill her? And I'm, I started to say to her, no, that's his sister. And then I went, technically in this movie, yes, that's exactly why he's, he's pissed off. Did you ever uh, see the old interview where somebody actually asked, so what's, what's it like being the screen? Do kids come up to you all the time with hockey masks and just her look of like, Ugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You're like, oh god, did you bother to watch the movie? No, of course you didn't. Um, did you bother? There's a, there's just a lot to recommend. And it's almost bloodless. About the only kind of bl- really blood we see kind of in the scene when he first kills his sister, uh, Judith, mm-hmm. in the beginning. But a lot of it is really kind of like much like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You feel like you saw something a lot bloodier than it actually was, which is to say. Not at all so much. Something that would change immediately with the second Halloween. Yeah, I mean, and then also we get a lot more. We got titties in in Halloween 2, which we... Didn't get in. It was a little bit. His sister. Little, little, sister. Little, and, and PJ Souls. PJ Souls, yeah. like a flash. Yeah. I mean, like... We, <laughs> was it, it wasn't like a... We get, like, a like, full, yeah, so yeah, like, no, we, wait, hold on. There's exactly <laughs> this many titties. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to the Mr. Skin cast. <laughs> one hour and 12 minutes, there were titties. No. Well, the, no, the titties in the first film were hot. The titties in Halloween 2 are boiling. Oh. hey And I did appreciate that you saw tits in a six-minute unbroken shot. It was very Orson Welles. Hot tub titties. <laughs> no. Carpenter was very reluctant to return to Halloween at this point. He had been tossing around some ideas for possibly coming back to it as a franchise, but not as a Michael Myers thing, which we'll get into later. But he was very much being encouraged to return after a whole series of slasher films, including the incredibly successful Friday the 13th films. 
um, were coming out and but were changing the nature of the landscape. When this came out, it was very they were very disencouraged from doing gory stuff. They were like, no, 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 you can't have a lot of that. Audiences don't want to see that. When this came out. Just really about what four years later, nineteen eighty one. Yeah, like, yeah. They were I being told exactly crazy. the opposite. They by were like, by this point, more. they were about to release the second Friday the Thirteenth movie. Slasher movies were a rage now, and that's why there's literally a scene in this movie where we just watch blood pool on the floor. Right, like literally, we're just watching blood pool on the floor, and, and like you got mad okay. at me for saying literally so much. But, but yeah. that's literally what we're watching. <laughs> like, it's not. It's not a figure of speech. Yeah. It's a pile of. It's a puddle of blood on the floor. I don't get mad at you when you use it figuratively. Literally, <laughs> I never once used literally. Not literally. I'm just saying it's like my favorite new metal band, Puddle of Blood. Yeah, very very black metal. Yeah, sure. that's true. Halloween 2 was not directed by John Carpenter, although it was written and produced by Carpenter and Hill again. It was directed by Rick, Rick Rosenthal. Rosenthal, who unfortunately, this is not the last time we will talk about Rick Rosenthal no, in this fucking sh- I'm sorry. Yeah, it's very <laughs> weird that this is deep not rest, his- Deep breaths, Ryan, deep breaths. It's rest. very weird when you compare this to his later Halloween you- film. Mm, we'll get uh, there. But mm. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance were talked into coming back, although, oddly, did you know that Jamie Lee Curtis cut her hair short almost immediately after the initial Halloween and never grew her hair long again for the rest of her career. Oh, wow. The, the long hair in here is a wig. She has... It's oh, a wig. it's a wig. Yeah. No shit. It's a wig in Halloween. What about, Halloween what about the wig. long hair in Resurrection? <laughs> That's such a wig. That's it's a, it's the worst wig I've ever seen. It looks like it looks like somebody was like, you're in an asylum. They probably have mops. Just cut the bottom <laughs> off of it and shove it on your head because yeah, you're only in this okay. thing for 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> I hate... I'm sorry. I hate I, Resurrection so much. But this sequel picks up right at the end of the previous film where we see like a, they've shot Dr. Loomis has shot Michael I shot him six he's, times he's fallen off the balcony he goes to check on Jamie Lee Curtis comes back can we? I'm sorry. Can we talk about the fact that in the first movie that that scene is handled so well and so well shot in the second movie they show it again and it looks like Dick Warlock, who is playing the shape. By the way, the greatest name in Hollywood, yeah. Dick Warlock. I have it in my notes, in all caps, Dick, Dick Warlock. Warlock. <laughs> if I ever go into porn, you can bet my name is going to be Dick Warlock. Yeah. Um, I probably won't go into porn. Uh, but no, like... I love this, he says probably. Probably. You want to leave things open. Dude, I'm, I'm not a fortune teller. I may or may not go into porn at some point. I don't know the future, guys. I'm not arrogant enough to say that I know everything that's going to happen. But they shoot it again, and it looks like he backs up a ramp to the top of the balcony and then falls off and I'm like what was that ramp for exactly <laughs> why did you put a ramp up to the balcony I'm so confused well in the sequel Jamie Lee Curtis is actually not in it a lot even though she is arguably the primary character she's the third man of the movie in some ways everybody's <laughs> she's the Harry Lime of Halloween everybody's too. talking about her everyone wants to protect her <laughs> but she spends most of the movie in a hospital bed unconscious Speaking you know? of Orson Welles, she's the hairy lime of Halloween too. Exactly. But Myers is on the loose still. Laurie Strode has been put in a hospital in, in in an ambulance, brought to the local hospital, which is the most understaffed hospital in the history of hospitals. Also the darkest hospital yeah. I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. They're really trying to I save on that like power. All of the hospitals in this franchise, there's like four staff. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, literally, so. literally. And Haddonfield's not a big town. I get it, but it's a big hospital for a not big town that has no staff to run it. You you could have just built it smaller. I feel <laughs> most of the characters with body count written on their forehead in this movie are yep. the hospital staff or or you know people, ambulance drivers, what have you. People there who are hanging out Dude, in the hospital. I've seen ensigns in, in episodes of the original Star Trek that were less expendable than these people. <laughs> uh, Myers is on the search for Jamie Lee Curtis because he's just the kind of guy who, like, when he starts a project, he wants to finish it. Yeah, it really and, bugs him that he left loose ends. <laughs> exactly. One of the things I love about Mike Myers walking through the hospital is that he knows how to administer a fatal dose of whatever kind of drugs, but yet he can't understand what a pillow dummy is. He went to psychopath medical school. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was uh, his hours would be like psychopath 101, uh, driving 101. Or yeah. recognizing a dummy, a pillow dummy 101. And they actually have uh, a... Yeah, they have phys ed electives that. about learning how to catch up with people while walking. <laughs> long long no, strides. Long That's Leslie Vernon. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. And there's stuff in here as well about the sheriff, Sheriff Lay Brackets, Charles Cyphers here where he is... Basically, he's made it pro- propelled to a, a, a leading character in this one by finding out that his daughter is one of the people. Which the first I actually have killed. to say is a great scene because apart from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which is only really the only slasher franchise that does this, there's never death really doesn't have an after effect in these movies. You never see the funerals. You never like see people who are like upset by the death other than like the person who discovers the bodies is like, ah, I don't have time for this. I got to keep running. Like, the fact that there's a scene where Charles Cyphers is told by one of his deputies that Annie was one of the people killed that first night, like, that actually gives a weight to what happened in the first movie that you don't see in slasher movies very much. Yeah, usually they, I mean, you look at the Friday the 13th, they, except for when they're just looking for the twist to find a way for Jason to still be alive, or arguably not and someone else is the killer, there is no sense of continued weight going on in that series. Here you actually have moments like that, where you're like, wow, this really affected people. There's just like there has to be like I want to make a movie about the guys who ride around Crystal Lake in the woods with tractors just picking up all the dead bodies like they're the Zamboni drivers at a hockey game like get this <laughs> shit out of here oh here's an oh you snap this one in half that you really think about yeah. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Brian Salisbury. <laughs> Welcome this to is, me. This is the shit you think about. That's true, but I don't say it out loud. This yeah, this one's folded in half. Is it? Is that an air horn? Did he kill this one with an air? How do you even do that? <laughs> I gotta admire the craft and workmanship in this murder, if nothing else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, I don't know. But, you know, this one certainly, I feel like, suffered in some ways of trying to keep up with what everybody else was doing. I like it, the throwback to night or um, uh, return or night of the living dead. They're, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, no, a lot of these I, movies. There's a nice little reference there. Sorry. There's there's a lot of these sequels that have moments where characters are watching as the franchise goes along progressively much better horror films than the one you're watching. <laughs> See, um, I think this is where the franchise goes downhill because this is where they start to talk about the Druids and Samhain and... Well, I mean, and they, 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 they vaguely mention it here, you know? I mean, and certainly three is all about that But this is well. where they go the, way... I mean, this yeah. is where what starts, like, I think the cavalcade of badness. When people in four, five, and six are looking for ways to tell a new story, they're trying to pick through the pieces yeah. of the movies there's, that exist. There's a line of demarcation. The line of demarcation is mentioning Samhain in a scene that was originally cut from the... that was originally added for the TV broadcast and not intended to be in the theatrical cut, which is what we're talking about in two. 
to the fucking Cult of Thorn in part five. Oh like, my there's, fucking god, I can't wait to talk about the Cult of Thorn. I'm just saying, like, in this movie, the mention of Samhain is not as bad as developing an entire storyline about Johnny Cash, apparently, with a machine gun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing that it's I... Like poor man's, it ends up being the poor man's uh, uh, Charlton, Charlton Haskin. Yes. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> I also think that this is, depending on which... There are so many places. This is a unique franchise for fans in this way. There are so many places along the line that you as a fan can decide to check out on the mythology, Mm. on the canon. There are so many places where you can decide, no, this is where the story ends. This is where the story ends. This is where the... If you buy into the sibling storyline, this is the most important movie in the entire franchise. Because, uh, and I forgot... That the sibling, her being the brother of Michael Myers, was not an element in the first film. No, never I mentioned. I forgot because it is so a thing. It's just it is part of the canon from here on out. If I may, as a point of contention, she's not the brother of anyone. Oh, true enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know that, man. You don't know how long she was in that hospital and what for. Some rumors I've heard. Oh, <laughs> God. She comes out James Lee Curtis. Uh, no, it, you know, it, it, but it's it's interesting to like. They were like, you know what was missing? We love Jalo movies too, but you forgot to put in any kind of like connection or revenge or anything. So we're going to help you out, John Carpenter. I mean, Although he did write this. So As dumb as it is the way they find an explanation for how she, they're related, at the same time, none of the sequels work, in my opinion, without there being a good reason for him wanting to fucking take out I'm, her blood. I'm with you. There is, that's the problem with making a sequel to a movie where like there's a no motive to your killer. You have to, like, if you're basically around this killer... You have to start putting something in there. If you have another sequel with just random kids and another sequel with random kids, like, there has to be some connected tissue. See, yeah, I, I get that, but at the same time, like, I feel like there's a reason that, that Donald Pleasance talks about... He talks about Michael Myers' eyes the exact same way that Robert Shaw talks about the shark's eyes in Jaws. <laughs> like, those speeches are almost identical. Yeah. Because to me, that's just what Michael Myers was. He was just, like, this this predator who like just was naturally drawn toward like when he had the rage, he just had to kill somebody and it pissed him off that he tried to kill this girl. And that's what got him shot. Like, honestly, like you didn't need any more than that for me. And I, I agree with you. I am not a big fan of the sister, the sibling thing. I think it's re handled really sloppily. Like the nurse is kind of just telling Donald Pleasance in the car. And there's like a couple Flashback sequences yeah. or How did he not sequences? know that? How in the world did the guy that's like, known this kid since he was six yeah. and talks about him ad nauseum go, oh yeah, and also there was a hidden a file. System. The gov- the governor was hiding it or something. It's real. It's a real throwaway. Like I said, the way it's they explain it, really sucks, bad. Yeah, but it does become an essential part of the canon. There's no franchise without that. It, well, exactly. and it, but it opens the door, and as we're going to talk about, like it opens the door to Michael Myers having the worst grudges in the history of horror. Like, you want... He goes after anyone tangentially related to the people related to the people related to him. It's obnoxious. <laughs> uh, but but it's the only way they can make sequels work other than just he's like, you know what? I'm bored. It's time to start killing new people. Um, <laughs> speaking of being bored, can we do a segue of the girl from Ipanema? What do we need that for? For the season of The Witch, which oh. has nothing to do with Michael Myers well, well, whatsoever. I, but Wait a minute. Let me finish with the Halloween oh, 2 seriously. stuff. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you I agree with you. We need to move on. But I do want to say some things. First off, the movie definitely both is stealing from lesser ripoffs of Halloween, but also stealing in ways that are like a little too obvious from the original. The set, like that first person Michael shot from the beginning of Halloween is used over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Also, 
uh, one of the most delicious looking ham sandwiches in all of horrordom at the beginning of this film. <laughs> Let us not skate past that note. Oh, it was it okay. Uh, I'm more of a turkey and, and Swiss guy myself. Ah, no, you're no, you're I'm a Freddy guy. I get it. Right. So fuck off. <laughs> uh, so there's a character here named Bud who's an EMS driver. <laughs> Who may be the rapiest person in the history of cinema. He is a Me Too story waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, he is. That fucking guy. This guy oh. is just doing everything but full on, like, holding this one nurse down and, and, and raping her. It's and so horrible. And she is like, okay, fine, let's fool around. You're like, wait, what? There's so many bad lessons <laughs> to learn. That's what it takes? You just have to, like, wear them down enough? Uh, to, no, that is, I guess that was So the, you get hot tub titties. That was the lesson from the time, yeah. Uh, you get, yeah, and this character, like, after all that, it's really gross seeing her naked, because you're like, I don't want to see her fuck this guy. Also, yeah. she leaves a bunch of infants unattended to go do this, like newborn infants. <laughs> this is she's where to be watching. Just what so, like, it's a real wild. Nineteen eighty one was a different time, you guys. Just want to point this know. out because hashtag dad triggered. Uh, they at least show Michael Myers leaving that nursery, not harming any of the babies, uh, which puts this movie squarely above Alien vs Predator Requiem, where we see it go into the nursery, but we never see any of those babies again. So presumably, that fucking Predalien ate all of the babies. Fuck that movie. By the way, I would also like to point out Halloween is one of the only franchises that Brian Salisbury unapologetically loves, even though dogs die constantly in the series. He eats okay. one in the book. At least two dogs. dogs. Yeah. Okay, okay, but you never movie. you never see the dog he ate. It's always it's off screen like, oh, he got hungry. And it's yeah. like, all right, fine. <laughs> I will can, say- you, can you just talk in the Donald Pleasance voice the whole time? I wanted time? to talk to you about switching your long distance carrier. This <laughs> <laughs> This is also the first film that it becomes clear that there is, which I'm really surprised never comes up again, specifically is a secret to defeating Michael Myers. You know, Michael Myers famously never, ever in this entire series ever runs. Hell, he barely even fast walks on camera. If you just keep the camera on him, you'll be fine. <laughs> this is true. This, yeah. As long as you just pull out your cell phone and start shooting him, and all he can do is walk. The moment you take that shit off him, he is fucking sprinting, yeah. dude. Because <laughs> there's no other way he can get from can we, one crime scene to the next again, crime scene. Again, it's Leslie Vernon. He <laughs> says, you know how much cardio I have to do to make it look like I'm walking slow? Right, exactly. <laughs> can we also point out that there is a security guard that buzzes in the nurses, but then apparently a back door that is unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why Why bother with the security guard and the buzzer door if the door by the ambulance is, is just open all the time? Why this bother with the security? Also, Dana Carvey's uh. first movie. He plays what? one. Dana Carvey plays one of the teenagers in the background. In oh man, I was yeah. wasted. Oh, please tell me he's the guy show. who plays Ben Tramer who gets lit up like a fucking candle in this movie. <laughs> he's listed as Barry McNichol. He actually had a character name. Huh. Shut the fuck up. Oh, lovely name at that. Yeah. It is actually, yeah. That sounds like IMDb Nicole. trivia added by Dana Carvey just to <laughs> I've actually heard Carvey talk about it. So in an interview, yeah. yeah. That was like his. But he talks yeah, about it I in mean, George W. Bush's voice. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty drunk when I watched in this the movie. Halloween movie. That's very difficult. <laughs> I, I would like to see the church lady. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, they're siblings. Isn't that special? <laughs> full of voices. I, full of voices. That's, okay, that's the title of my autobiography. Now, I hate Season of the Witch, but this was legitimately Carpenter's best score. I really mean it this time. Wow, okay. I, I love. Season you hate Witch. Season of the Witch? Season of the Witch is fucking garbage. I love Season of the Witch. I, I love so it. I love it. I love it. Worst 
thing. Okay, first of all, we have like the rapey adulterer. I, I mean, Tom motherfucking Atkins. That's who, Doctor Tom Atkins. He does, he does literally. He's, he pinches the nurse's really, butt. I can know who's opening scene. He slaps, yeah, and, and then he's like super flirty in a like a sexually assaulty <coughs> way. I kind of like that he's uh, a scumbag. I am going to both agree joke. and disagree with patients because when I wrote I wrote a review for this movie long ago and far away, and I described him as the guy who clearly has been nailing nurses all day every day, <laughs> and someone was like, "Where are you getting that?" And I'm like, "From everything he is, says, and does." But uh, yeah, you could try watching <laughs> the movie. Yeah, totally play. At first, you're like, oh, he's like a family man. Except you're like, oh, no, wait, he's not. He's the worst family man ever. He's He's so shitty. (laughs) I'll pick up your fucking mask on the way to the liquor store, you goddamn bastards. It it does establish he is, in fact, separated from his wife. So he's not cheating. He's not bad. No, he's not. No, it's not that. It's just you can tell this guy fucks. Like, and they Constantly. want to set him up as a guy that fucks. Yes. And he's an alcoholic he's because drunk, he yeah. cannot, like, well, I mean, I, I identify with him a lot. It was the 70s. Everybody drank that much. But, I mean, he's like, fine, bitch, to his wife on the payphone as he grabs his six-pack of Miller Lite. And I was like, okay, first of all, who drinks Miller Lite? I love Tom man, Atkins so much that this is never going to, like, <laughs> you're never going to convince me he's not the greatest. I, I, I love him in it. Back then, it. there weren't a lot of options other than Miller Lite. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They were literally having people in fucking Trans Am smuggle Miller Lite across the goddamn country because you couldn't get it everywhere. Eastbound and down. I would love to take this interlude to talk about our delicious Oscar Blues. No, we're not sponsored by them anymore. God damn it. No, Oscar Blue is the name of the character Dana Carvey plays in this movie. (laughs) You only see him once. He named it himself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Halloween 3 is different because, and and was much... It has nothing to do with Halloween? Well, it was much more at the time because like they were Carpenter was like I don't want to keep doing Michael Myers films if this is going to continue we should use this for the opportunity for this becoming an anthology See, series and which was way ahead of way ahead of his time because basically what he did is he invented American Horror Story before American Horror Story right. where every movie was just going to be a different scary story that happens on Halloween Which I still wish had been I mean, oh my god right imagine how incredible a John, John Carpenter produced horror film every year Halloween 4 based on was Halloween. going to be a ghost film there's yeah. apparently yeah. a script floating out there somewhere for the original floating Halloween. out so, there <laughs> the thing about Halloween 3 like you guys are saying, it's actually that using the name Halloween was more of a curse. Absolutely. Had they had they not tried to include that in the whole series, this would have probably been a pretty solid movie that everyone would have received. Not as bad well. of a curse as the curse of Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> even even but they, you, Paul Rudd. Yeah, even they, dropping the three, if there was just like Halloween colon. Other title, season of the witch. Help, yeah, or just, of the or witch. just yeah. calling it season of the witch. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like okay. it should have. It should have been the. They could have promoted it as the adaptation of that Donovan song. Like we made it. We made a movie out of that Donovan song. It has nothing to do with this franchise with the guy with the William Shatner mask. Uh, this is uh, this is basically just a, a folk singer who produced a horror so movie. So this movie is also about masks, and I think that's pretty much as far as it goes. The cartoon with all the different agents and the, oh, no. Got it. All right. It's mobile armed <laughs> special command. Whoa. I knew you would know this. Excuse I me while I. 
<laughs> All the air horns for that. That Sorry, was very impressive. Command, strike Command with a K. <laughs> well, and I know this because I own all of the mask fucking figures. Quick so sidebar. There's toys up. in the world. Just, quick quick yeah. sidebar. As if if they had called it M-A-S-C, people would have been like, well, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how dare you call it mask with a C? I, but I feel like you're still coming down on the side of everyone that was at the time who were mad that it wasn't a Michael Myers film and not judging it as being I am, a film. I am. No, I'm mad that this was not a Michael Myers I, film. I'm the first time I watched this movie, I was like, uh, what? This, What's going on I right love now? the balls. on t- Tommy Lee Wallace, who's a production designer for John Carpenter on Halloween, gets the chance to actually... And, and art director. And art director. Gets the chance to direct this movie. And I love that he has the balls to be like, I know people are going to expect Michael Myers in this. So throughout this movie, people are going to be watching Halloween on TVs in the background yeah, of bars. Say, to be fair, you do see Michael Myers That's in this true. film. Yeah, you can't say he doesn't show up. It I, takes place in a universe where Halloween is a movie. And I, and I, and I did like that part. It was like, okay, that's cool. I get that. Like, super uh, meta before it was meta. Like, we're going to play Halloween in the background of the Halloween. But you were waiting for the moment where he comes out of the TV, like in Wax Action Hero. No, I mean, not. No, I wasn't waiting for that at all. I was just like, this movie is just terrible from beginning to end. Like, there's. Tell me. Okay, I'm sure Brian can tell me. But, Alan, (laughs) you tell me. Bring it on. Let's do it. Give me one positive aspect that you liked about this movie uh the kills in this movie kick so much ass yeah the the effects the gore effects all like all the effects on that are incredible every like found body the uh even like the bad like um computer chip light effect is bad but the after effect of showing that corpse is incredible the skull kill in the hospital when the first android gets the guy and pokes him in the eyes and kind of like detaches his skull. It's the noise, like the sound design on it, the visual. It's incredible. I mean, all you had to say was Tom Atkins. And Tom yeah. Atkins. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean well, I wrote down here, my note is studliest guy in 80s films. He is pretty. He's like the Brian Dennehy of, like, Halloween. I don't know. He just You're has, saying that as if I wouldn't also love to see Brian Dennehy in this movie. He just has, like, the... the, like, the Goddamn the, Irish people <laughs> setting up their fucking cults. He, this movie he is weirdly anti-Irish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so directed was, by Bill the Butcher. This was the next thing that I was going to talk about. Okay, other than the weird bugs that show up out of nowhere, because... It's magic. Uh, Witch. It's magic. It's witchcraft. <laughs> because Druids are full of bugs Well, look, and, I know it's strictly snakes. taboo, but it is witchcraft. Uh, Wicked witchcraft. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they do... I mean, come on. Nobody... Who's looking into 1981 going, I don't know, I looked into druidism and I don't remember seeing any specific spells that summon snakes Okay, first and of all, they're literally, literally talking about Stonehenge and then uh, St. Patrick drove all of the snakes out of Ireland. And into that kid's head, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking rad. That's the thing I really love about this movie. Is it's it's got the biggest balls. It, yeah. It's other, got the biggest balls of the murdered, entire franchise. Children. Like, his head explodes into <laughs> snakes and bugs. Other than the Curse of Thorn, this has the second biggest balls because the Curse of Thorn and Curse of Michael Myers. Whatever. The Rune of Thorn and five and six. Whatever. 
Uh, <laughs> Brian, will you tell me the plot of this movie real quick? So the plot of this movie is that these people keep keep dying. Something weird is going on. Tom, Tom Atkins and one of the, I think she's either a nurse or a doctor at the hospital, go to investigate. And the whole time, there's this simmering undercurrent of, of capitalism of, like, everybody wants these silver shamrock masks for Halloween. His kids want them. It's all over the TV. Which is super lame, too. There's, they've got three masks and they all suck. You've got a witch, you've got a pumpkin, and you've got a skeleton. Skull, skull yeah. yeah. And, and the theme song kicks a lot of Oh, my God. If oh, my I God. If I have to listen to that theme song one more time, I am going to fucking... <laughs> and you know what's so funny is Carlos woke up this morning and he comes out, or this afternoon, he's like, if I have to listen to that fucking theme song one more time, I was like... What theme song is like just the Halloween theme song? <laughs> Three more times still Paige throws up. Paige throws, <laughs> throws right the hell up. Not even the silver shamrock. But silver the, the, the shamrock. <laughs> yeah, I just, it, I can't believe it didn't occur to me now with the Irish thing, they're called silver shamrock, so it's it's like really. What do you think it was like that McDonald's shake that they serve every year? Yeah, <laughs> I did. That shit is Silver good. shamrock shake. They had the fakey Irish accents and Stonehenge. And, and, I, I love and it. The weird Irish guy runs the hotel. Like, uh, oh, laddie. First of all, can we talk about how this has one of the greatest villain names of all time, Connell Cochran? Yeah. Really I fucking love that. His name is Connell Cochran. Cochran, like my favorite part is where he just stands there and like stares at them for ten minutes while he dies. You can't, you can't get more Irish if your name was Jason Murphy. Like it's nuts, and I, I love the whole the whole pagan mythology that they bring into this. I am totally on board he's for the it. Same guy who played uh, the kind of big boss in Robocop. Robocop. This, yeah, he's a uh, dick. Uh, no, 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 don't tell me. Dan, uh, Daniel Peter O'Hurley. Oh, oh, well, he's legitimately Irish. Yeah, Dan O'Hurley. Yes, O'Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hurley. Oh, Hurley. Oh, Mass making a kid's brain turn into snakes and bugs. I mean, I do think. I mean, I do think this movie is like more tightly scripted than Halloween Two. Mm. Like, it's more cohesive of a movie. Halloween Two is really it's, sloppy and all over the place. There's some cool moments in it, but this movie, like from front to back, like has like themes and a plot and a structure, and it follows it through. There's not too many like gaping holes in the logic I, of it. I it's, actually think it's better paced. Like, as much as I like Halloween Two. It's a sleepy fucking horror movie. I agree. Halloween yeah. 2 takes a long time to getting around to what it wants to do. Your heroine is literally asleep for most <laughs> yeah. of that movie. You don't really care about any of the body count people in it at all. Yeah. You're like, these people are not very interesting. Most of them are hateful. You yeah. know, you're like, okay, fuck these people. Who gives a shit? And, and it gets away from the other interesting people, which is like the sheriff and stuff. You're like, I would like to see more of that. No, we're going to deal with all the like weird people in the hospital who are pointless. This one has a, is definitely tighter. It's more like it's really following this one character of Tom Atkins, who is a kind of a horror legend. Yeah, and know? it's got the ending of a like 1970s sci-fi movie where they're always bleak and hopeless. The yeah. ending... Kills me. Where he's just like, turn it off, turn it off. And then that one station turns it off. He's like, oh my god, thank you. And then they just switch the channel and it's still on. And it just ends with Tom Atkins. And this is something I quote all the time. Whenever someone says stop it, I'm always like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> like, I love the ending of this movie. I, I absolutely, I think this movie from start to finish just works on its own steam. And I absolutely agree with you. If it hadn't been called Halloween 3, like, this would have a completely different appreciation than it does today. Seven more days till Halloween. 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 So, question about that. Like, so we were talking about the first one with an unmotivated killer is not set up for franchise. We definitely have to have some sort of motive. Right. To continue a franchise. And so we, 
developed the motive in the second one and continued on with it. Now, this third one, this is the point at which it just almost totally ditches Michael Myers, or well, no, totally, does, you, yeah. but like has it him, makes those like, like makes a nod movies. to him. He yeah. makes he makes a cameo appearance. Right. <laughs> and so, do you think this maybe paved the way for? sequels further on that have forgotten the lore that happened before them, right? Like, well, like I mean, the newest one just, like, skipped a whole bunch of movies. I think it more paved the way for doubling down yeah. on, on that mythology with Michael Myers, which is unfortunate, I think, but... But as well, you you gotta admit, like, the Sawane thing, that plays out in this as oh, well. Yeah, for so sure. So all that shit that ended up being the plot of largely five and six mm-hmm. uh, is, like, I mean, it's mentioned in two, but it's the primary plot yeah, in and, three. And I think this definitely sets it up for that being the plot. Like, I, I agree with Nick and, and Chris, like, where this, I mean, that whole, like, she's, uh, he's, he's bewitched He's, you know, it's it, he's supernatural. This is where we find Michael Myers taking that role from just like, oh, I'm a slasher serial killer that just likes to kill people. With a very unfortunately falsetto voice for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it would be great if that was his voice. See, this is why I don't talk. Exactly. He wants me to yeah. speak with an Irish accent because I can do that too. That okay. would be oh, awesome. Oh, God, when he finally talks. I mean, he had a very, very high Irish Irish. takes the mask off and it's Colin we're fucking Farrell. the druids and the oh, shamrocks. No, I am going to stop. Have you? <laughs> and, and we're all definitely alcoholics around here. So. My fucking sister oh, went to Bruges. <laughs> I wish I could do that accent right now. Who the fuck goes to Bruges? Yeah, no accent. Who fucking goes to Bruges? What the fuck are we supposed to do in Bruges? Oh, this is the worst city I've ever been in. Oh, totally different. Are you referencing the, the, the Yes, we're talking Bruges. about in Bruges. I love that. Um, Halloween 3, colon, in Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I... I I appreciate... No, I don't appreciate I can't believe you don't love this movie. I think this movie is I, so much I, fun. Okay, so this is a thing. I just want to reiterate here really quickly that Chris, Phil, and the Summers Brothers were all like, Oh, you hate Season of the Witch? You just need to watch it as an adult. You need to just grow up and fucking rewatch it. I and I rewatched it not once... <laughs> But twice I watched it last night and today, and I fucking hate this She's movie. Like, there's still no Michael Myers in this movie. <laughs> no matter what age I am, there's no Michael Myers in this movie. I can watch it a million times, and I see no I, Michael Myers. I would like to point out that that's true. You mentioned a whole different room of people. Now this whole room of be totally different it's people is also like, telling why you. Why do you don't know, like Season of the Witch? I will hold fast, my my fans and minions. Some of them but, are out there. You speak up on our Facebook page and and back me up. There's somebody out there that hates this movie I'm as much as I do. I'm not going to deny this film is absurd. <laughs> the plot is totally absurd. But it knows it is and it's having fun with it. It's, I, I, I had so much fun watching it. I don't think this movie... I think this is not a scary movie. Where did you get your own minions? That's, <laughs> what, I, that's what I want to know. I just pretend in my head. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't think this is a particularly scary movie, but it's a fun movie. It's more... They, they've even said, we wanted to play with science fiction more. On and it's got one. another great Carpenter score. So. Yeah, yeah, it does. The score is great. Yeah, I have any patience. It's like, this is your favorite. Oh, this, the yeah, the, the, score the score is really, is really good. good. Well, uh, that is the end of our first part, where we were talking about the first three most important Halloween films. We Ugh. will come back with part two, which will be coming out pretty much a day after the part one. and Which uh, means... Part two, we're going to be recording this in a hospital. Yeah. So. Uh, we're, we'll be talking about <laughs> very dark hospital. Four, yeah. five, six, H two O, and resurrection. I feel like we did not divide this evenly. <laughs> no, but that's because there's less to say. About we get true story. We probably burns before and five. True story. <laughs>